Welcome to Ageless and Outrageous, your favorite podcast about how to age amazingly. I'm urogynecologist and hormone and sexual health expert, Dr. Kristen Jackson. Every week, my incredible and knowledgeable nurse practitioner, Rosalind Arp, and I share our combined 30 years experience to guide both men and women as they age. Listen as we dive into a variety of topics, including hormone optimization, pelvic floor health, maintaining a vibrant sex life, weight gain issues, and skin, hair, and body changes as we age. These real-life insights are always rooted in solid scientific knowledge. Tune in for a dose of laughter, knowledge, and an honest perspective on the incredible adventure of growing older. Today, we're talking about the big topic of what are hormones? The most common question I'm asked when patients come into the office is that they just feel like their hormones are out of whack or I feel hormonal. Another one is my family's complaining that I'm too hormonal all the time. When I hear that, I think, well, that's a crazy question because every single human being is being hormonal every single moment of the day. Hormones are just chemical messengers that come from one organ in our body and send a signal to another organ in our body. So every person in the world constantly has hormone signals going back and forth between organs to help tell them what to do. Hormones are one way our body makes sure that all organs are properly communicating. I like to explain it this way. There are two messenger systems in our body. One is the nervous system and the other is our endocrine system, which is where our hormones come from. It's easiest to think of these systems like the electrical system and the thermostat in our home. When you turn on a light switch, the light immediately comes on. That's like our nervous system. But when we turn down the thermostat, it takes several minutes for the temperature in the house to drop. That's like our endocrine or hormone system. It regulates us and creates a balance. Exactly. So the nervous system is a little more quick to respond, but the endocrine system is slower to respond and maintains normalcy. And we call normalcy homeostasis. So if one level of something in our body gets too high, homeostasis means we bring it down to the center. Or if something else drops too low, we want to bring it back up to the middle. And our endocrine system or our hormones are constantly working to keep us in homeostasis. Another way of explaining the chemical messengers or hormones is to use the lock and key analogy. I use this quite a bit when I explain hormones to my patients. The hormone is the key and it only works when it attaches to a receptor, which is a lock. A key by itself does nothing, but it needs to go into the correct lock to make something happen. And whatever it unlocks is what it triggers. Hormones floating around in our bloodstreams do nothing. They have to attach to their correct receptor to transmit the message they are carrying. And just like our house key does not start our car, not every hormone has the same effect on every cell. Some hormones are like a master key, meaning they fit into many locks. The thyroid is a great example of that. There are thyroid receptors on every cell in our body, meaning that thyroid hormone has an effect everywhere. Other hormones only have receptors on certain organs, so they can only affect a limited number of things. That's a great way of thinking of it. And many times when patients are feeling out of sorts, they ask their doctor to check their hormones and they might be told your hormones are in the quote normal range. So your symptoms can't be related to hormone imbalance. To really understand that, we need to look at how the normal range of hormones was created. When you go to any lab and get a blood level drawn, on the results, you'll see a column called the reference range. And that gives you the low to high number. And between that, we expect the value for the test to be normal. The way those reference ranges were created were by taking blood samples from the entire United States population 
aged 18 to 80, and pooling all of those results together, which gives us a bell curve. So the results in that bell curve include young, healthy adults, older, healthy adults, overweight patients, sick patients, elderly patients. Depending on where your own personal result falls on that bell curve might mean your result is closer to a healthy 18 to 20 year old, or it could be more like a sickly, overweight, older person. And you can imagine for optimal health, we want our patients to be closer to the healthy 18 to 20 year old part of the bell curve. When we're talking about women's hormone levels, it can get even more complicated because many hormones rise and fall with the menstrual cycle. But in general, most patients feel their best when their hormone levels are moved closer to the part of the bell curve that represents those healthy 18 to 20 year olds. And why? Because in general, 18 to 20 year olds are pretty healthy, have a normal weight, have no age-related or chronic diseases. If we drew a bell curve that just included those healthy patients, it would be much narrower, meaning the reference range for normal lab values would be much tighter. So the goal of replacing hormones is really to recreate the hormone status that we had when we were in our 20s and 30s, when most of our endocrine organs were working at top function. And who wouldn't want that? (laughs) All of us, right? (laughs) Right. So yes, many people tell me that they usually try to seek care from their primary or they were sent to an endocrinologist because they had these hormonal type symptoms. Even this hormone specialist and the chronologist are telling the patients that their numbers are normal and they don't need any treatment, even if they're describing a list of symptoms that are known to be associated with hormone dysfunction. A great example is thyroid. For thyroid, this could be feeling sluggish, feeling cold all the time, having constipation, putting on weight, having dry skin. Another hormone is testosterone. The symptoms usually is fatigue, poor energy, poor stamina, night sweats, low libido, and brain fog. These are well-known symptoms associated with suboptimal hormone levels, but endocrinologists are quite busy and they are usually filled up with so many patients with full-blown diabetes or off-the-chart thyroid disease. They're really best at treating patients who have a condition where their levels are so bad they're out of the reference range, and they typically don't treat suboptimal hormone levels. The problem is that there's so many people who fall into that suboptimal range like you were describing. That range is still within normal per se, but not optimized like a healthy 18 or 20-year-old. These are typically the patients we see. They are not overtly diseased, but they want both symptom improvement and healthier aging. Right. And even during my OBGYN residency, you could see that focusing on optimizing hormones was not something of huge value. We didn't spend a lot of time or energy learning this. Of course, we learned how the hormones go up and down during the menstrual cycle and what happens to the hormones in menopause. But the focus was not on how to keep the hormones in an optimal range as we age to prevent both symptoms and chronic disease. In fact, I rearranged my residency schedule to take both of my maternity leaves during my REI rotation. This was our endocrine rotation because everyone knew this was a less demanding rotation. You did a little bit of fertility medicine. You did some laparoscopies to check for fertility, but it wasn't considered a really hard or time-consuming rotation. So it was an easy time to do something like take a maternity leave. But I think that speaks to the value that even an OBGYN training program puts on really understanding hormones and hormone optimization. Yeah, I agree. As a student, I also felt the same way in terms of the endocrine system. I used to think it was the least interesting subject at the time. And now I feel it's the most interesting subject. Mm -hmm. 
But just like you said, we are so focused on how the cardiovascular system works, how the nervous system works, and what are the diseases that are involved in that. So when it came to the endocrine system, we learned the names of the hormones and what they did, but not really how to manage them for the best health. Actually, the HPO axis drove me crazy, (laughs) but now it's the main part of our practice. That's right. And there's just so much to learn when you're going through your initial medical training that it's critical to continue your education afterwards. There's simply not enough time to become a hormone expert during routine medical training. A lot of the knowledge that we have about hormone optimization and endocrine mimicry, we actually sought out after our formal medical training. And it really was because we were interested in it, we were passionate about it, and our patients drove us to it. Traditional medical training was not helping me understand why my patient still felt tired, even though her endocrinologist told her her thyroid was normal, or why someone was still gaining weight, even though they went to the primary care and were told that everything is fine. We just knew that couldn't be right. We knew that dozens and dozens of patients telling us, I still feel poorly, even though my testing is, quote, normal, that there had to be something more. And I think that means that if you are feeling this way, you need to either really find a sexual health expert or a hormone expert who has gone beyond the traditional medical training and looked at the huge, vast knowledge of information that there is out there about how to properly manage these things. Yes. A lot of the symptoms that patients typically say are related to aging are actually symptoms of poor hormone optimization as well. So a lot of times when they do bring it up, they are dismissed, oh, that's just part of getting older. These are things like fatigue, low libido, joint pain, poor sleep, brain fog. They think memory is getting bad as they age, but they're actually suffering from less than optimal hormone levels. Right. And it's not unreasonable that as we age, all of the endocrine organs or the organs that make our hormones are just not working as optimally as they once did. A 60-year-old doesn't make as much thyroid hormone or testosterone as does a 20-year-old. Plus, the world we live in, unfortunately, does unhealthy things to our hormones. The food we eat is not the highest quality. Processed foods can interfere with optimal hormone production and function. And even if we're trying to eat a healthy diet that's plant-based, low in animal fats, and high in plant proteins, the food that we're presented with might be genetically modified or farmed in such a way that it's just not as nutritious. It can be treated with synthetic hormones, so it just doesn't have the nutritional quality that we would like it to have. Stress levels can also contribute to poor hormone production. Aging damages our hormone receptors, so it takes more hormone to create the same effect as it once did. And of course, if someone's had surgery, specifically removing or damaging one of their endocrine organs, that's going to make their hormone levels take a big hit. So these are some of the things that can happen as we age and just continue to go through life that lead to us having suboptimal hormone levels. Yes, I had a 60-something-year-old recent patient who came in and said, I really want to check my hormones. She had been married for many years, and she said she still loves her husband very much. However, every time he tries to be intimate with her, she moves away or tries not to touch him or make him think she's leading him on. So she would avoid even hugging him or even touching his arm just because she did not want to have to say no to him later on. So she really felt something was off. When I checked her hormones, her testosterone levels was suboptimal. Actually, really suboptimal. It was in the the five range. We gave her testosterone replacement therapy. And when she came back for follow-up recently, she was saying that this has been a life changer. And that's, those are my favorite patients. 
Now, not only is she more interested in being intimate with him, she can just hold his hand or hug him again without feeling stressed about it. She's quite happy with the results. That's such a huge change and something that another provider may have told her, well, your testosterone is in the normal range, right? Within that big, wide bell curve. So there's nothing we can do for you. But if we look at where she landed on the bell curve of testosterone, she was really in the significantly low end, which is the unhealthy end. And she was feeling significant symptoms from that. Being able to ask about those symptoms and how they might relate to suboptimal hormone levels is is so critical. All we're doing is moving her testosterone level from the low end of the bell curve to the higher end of the bell curve. But when we do that, our patient feels a world of difference in symptoms and quality of life. For testosterone specifically, the range of normal goes from two to about 70. So how in the world can someone whose testosterone level is two feel the same as someone who's 70? So you said your patient was a testosterone level of five or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you push her up to testosterone of 50, she's going to think you've made a massive difference in her life. If more people could recognize the symptoms and poor quality of life they feel from their hormones being on the low end of normal, they would know that pushing those levels to a higher end of normal can completely change not only how they feel today, but how they age better as time goes on. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. No information from this recording is intended as a diagnosis or treatment for any disease. If you are enjoying the show, please subscribe so you don't miss any of our exciting episodes. And we love to hear from our listeners and we'll be grateful for your positive review. We'll talk next time.